You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And to get this show every day, I need you to subscribe to Locked On Mets wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Apple, Spotify, Himalaya. Also, don't forget when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. Now, no game to talk about today. Instead, in the first half of the show, I'm going to talk about what type of a lineup the Mets can start to roll out now that they have Jeff McNeil back from injury and Brandon Nimmo Looks like he is going to be on his way back very soon as well. So I'm going to touch on those things. And then later on in the show, I'm going to preview this series with the Chicago Cubs. Talk about a really pivotal 12-game stretch that the Mets have ahead of them. And of course, dive in once again to the wild card standings. Before we get into any of that though, I'm your host Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, check me out on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsMorizedOnline.com. Great site for you to check out covering all things New York Mets. Alright, so first off, let's talk about Brandon Nimmo. On Sunday, he finally played a full game, playing all nine innings in center field. He went three for four in the game. Really his best rehab performance yet. Got a couple of doubles, scored three runs, got a couple of RBIs. So all together, a great performance by him. And now it seems like he is basically knocking on the door of a return. And really the only hurdle for Nemo now is to play two days in a row. He could potentially do that on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then maybe after this series against the Cubs, he gets called up and brought back to the big league roster. Now, if Nemo is back, the question then remains, who gets bumped from the starting lineup? I think the obvious candidate would have been Juan Lagares because, I mean, frankly, he does not have a long track record of success. He is playing center field where Brendan Nimmo started opening day, so that might have seemed like an ideal choice. The thing is, Lagares is playing really well right now. Now, you could kick J.D. Davis out of the lineup, but him too. He has been a real boost offensively. Where do you go then? How do you fit all these pieces together? The one person who really maybe should be bumped from the lineup is Todd Frazier. And I talk about Mets Brides. You should really go out there and check out this article from Brian Devine. It is titled, Down Goes Frazier, Time for the Mets to Bite the Bullet. And basically, remove him from the starting lineup. In the article, Brian references a 37-game stretch from May to June where Frazier had kind of changed his narrative, had earned the starting third baseman role where he had an OPS of 992. But since then, Brian quotes here, he is batting 188 with a 243 on base percentage and a 344 slugging percentage, has seven home runs across just over 200 plate appearances. So that's your guy who's not performing right now. While he continues to be a somewhat above-average defensive third baseman, and definitely the best defensive third baseman on the roster, I don't think that the offense is worthy of that defense. 
especially if you're just doing apples-to-apples apples comparison of net effect defensively between him at third base or Juan Lagares in center field. Because I've said it before, Juan Lagares has been playing a much better center field as of late, so you need him out there because he is the only true natural center fielder on this team. So if he can hit still the way he has been producing, he really should be in the lineup because all of a sudden, let's just say you have an outfield of Brandon Nimmo, Juan Lagares, and Michael Conforto. That is a very good defensive outfield. You're shrinking all the gaps out there. That is going to help your pitching staff really perform well. Now, if you were to do that particular alignment, you're left with a couple options, right? If Nimbo's in the outfield, the guards is in the outfield, that means you either have to take out Joe Panic, you have to take out J.D. Davis, or you have to take out Jeff McNeil. Now, Panic has played really well, but I want J.D. Davis and Jeff McNeil's bat in the lineup. And so if the idea eventually is to have all those young core players in the lineup every day, so J.D. Davis, Brandon Nimmo, Jeff McNeil, Michael Conforto, Ahmed Rosario, Pete Alonso, all those guys are going to be in the lineup. Then someone else has to get squeezed out along with Frazier. And to me, when I look at Lagars or Panic, I think it has to be Joe Panic. So I did some looking into the offensive numbers. And I basically took the stats since Joe Panic came here, which was August 9th, his first game. Juan Lagars across that span, sitting 326. Joe Panic's in 292. Lagars is on base percentage is 370. Joe Panic's is 333. The big difference is slugging percentage as Lagars has a 490 slugging percentage and Panic's slugging percentage is 354. Lagars has scored 10 runs. Panic has scored 11. Lagars has three RBIs. Panic has four. They've had basically the same amount of at bats. Lagars has 49 and Panic has 48. So they're really comparable offensive players. But again, what Lagars provides is just a little bit more pop in his bat. He's also a little bit faster, too, for whatever that's worth. But in the month of August as a whole, if you go to Fangraphs, I checked out Weighted Runs Created Plus. Now, this is a statistic that tries to credit a hitter for the value of their outcome. So this is where hitting the ball with some power obviously gives you a better Weighted Runs Created Plus. Ligaris, in August, his Weighted Runs Created is 113. Panics is 93. Now you look at another stat, ISO, isolated raw power. Lagares is 121, Panics is just 0.54. Panic is a ground ball hitter. Okay, that's something that Major League Baseball is kind of going away from. Since coming to the Mets, Panic has hit 51% of the balls on the ground. Now you compare that to Juan Lagares. Lagares is exactly evenly split right now. 33% on the ground. 33% line drives, 33% fly balls in the air. You look at the soft hit, medium hit, hard hit rates between the two guys. Honestly, pretty much the same. Lagarus' soft hit percentage is 17%. Panics is 19 His medium hit percentage is 55%. Panics is the exact same. And then Lagarus' hard hit is slightly more at 27 And you have Panics at 25 Now, all of those stats I just gave you, those were specifically for August. Slight power difference for Lagares, but overall, it's really six of one, half a dozen of the other. I think both of these guys weren't playing time, but I just think, again, when you look at all the different factors, having a natural center fielder is something that's really important in the long run. If you can eventually be running out this starting lineup, 
the Mets will be in great shape, not only offensively, but also defensively. You have Ahmed Rosario playing short, hitting first. Jeff McNeil hitting second, playing second. Pete Alonso playing first base. Mo Conforto playing right field, hitting fourth. Then you can have Wilson Ramos batting fifth, obviously catching. Brandon Nimmo, if you wanted to bat him sixth to break up the two righty bats in Ramos and Davis, you could put him sixth. You could also bat Nimmo seventh, have J.D. Davis hit sixth, and then Lagares to be your eight hitter. Now the one big hole defensively all of a sudden would be J.D. Davis playing third base where he does not look good at all, but quite frankly, he's not good in left field either. So just comes down to what's your preference. For me, again, I just think that having that defense in center field, having the good defense up the middle, in my opinion, is a bigger factor in winning games. But this is all things that Mickey Calvary is going to have to decide. And I don't think it's going to be one starting lineup every day. I do think there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching, giving guys rest. The one good positive about this and kind of the underrated thing to talk about is just how much better the bench is going to be if you have a Todd Frazier on the bench or Joe Panic on the bench, Brandon Nimmo on some days, you know, J.D. Davis getting a spell. Your bench is going to be a lot better. All of a sudden, you're not going to be running out the Aaron Altair, Rajay Davis, Luis Guillorme bench. It's going to be a much more potent offensive bench. I think the bottom line is the fact that the Mets are starting to get healthy and getting healthy at the right time as this last month is going to decide whether they make the playoffs or not. And when we get back in the second half, going to talk about a real tough stretch the Mets have ahead in the next 12 games that may just decide their season. But before we do go into break, I got some special deals to let you know about. The first being Postmates, which is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service all year round. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code Locked On today. Guys, let's talk about sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable alternative to Viagra and Cialis with the same FDA-approved active ingredients so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no more in-person doctor's visits, no more waiting in line at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's blue, B-L-U-E, chew.com, promo code MLB to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for supporting this podcast. All right, you are back listening to Locked on Mets, and before I went into break, I referenced this 12-game stretch that lies ahead for the Mets. This could be it for the Mets season because you are playing all the main teams that you're going against in this wild card race. You get three games at home against the Cubs. Then you go on the road, play the Phillies for three, then you play the Nationals for three on the road as well. 
and the Mets have not been good on the road this season. Then you return home and you play the Phillies again. That is a really important 12-game stretch, especially when you consider the fact that they still have a series against the Dodgers, although luckily that one is going to be played at home. And you also play the last series of the season against the Atlanta Braves. Luckily, again, another series that takes place at home. But all of that is just to explain just how important this series against the Cubs really is. Now, if you looked at this homestand as a whole, I think the Mets would have liked to take six out of nine games. They wanted to win each series, you know, two out of three, two out of three, two out of three. And they were on track to do that when they swept the Indians. They were actually ahead of schedule. Then all of a sudden you get swept by the Braves, and now unless they sweep the Cubs, they're not going to get that outcome. Now, if they end up going away 5-4 and four at home, that's okay. At least you won two series, and at least you took two games from the Cubs. And I think they have a really good chance against the Cubs. I actually like this matchup a lot for the Mets. This month, the Cubs are 12-11. and 11. Last month, they were 12-11. and 11. They've been basically a 500 team for a pretty good amount of time now. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games. Right now, the Cubs are two and a half games behind the Cardinals in the NL Central, and they're two games ahead of the Mets, currently in that second wildcard spot. Here's the biggest factor, though, when I look at the Cubs. At home this year, they're 44-22. and 22. It's one of the better teams in baseball. On the road, they are 25-39, and 39, 14 games under 500. So... You got to capitalize right now at home and try to beat up on this team. Now, I know it is a very tough lineup that this Mets pitching is going to have to navigate. You have Nick Castellanos, who was a great trade deadline acquisition in his first 23 games with the Cubs. He has eight home runs, 14 RBIs. His OPS is well over 1,000. He's hitting 375. So that's a guy they have to contend with. He does strike out a fair amount, so maybe the Mets pitching can handle him well. He also feasts against lefties, and the Mets are going to be running out three right-handed starting pitchers, so that is a good sign, but still, he is a dangerous bat. You look at Anthony Rizzo since the All-Star break, he's hitting 333, OPS of 988, with 24 RBIs and six home runs. Javi Baez, his OPS is 758, batting average 261, but he has 20 RBIs, and he has scored 26 runs. Jason Hayward has scored 21 runs, has 12 RBIs, has an OPS of 765, 261 batting average. So he's playing you know, really one of his better seasons since coming over to the Cubs. Chris Bryant is always dangerous. He has nine home runs since the All-Star break with 20 RBIs. Batting average at 248, OPS 786. And then one guy that can really hurt you with the long ball is Kyle Schwarber, who's really turning into an all-or-nothing guy, but... The All has his OPS sitting at 873 since the All-Star break. He has 12 home runs during that span with 26 RBIs. He's also scored 17 runs. So Schwarber is a really dangerous hitter as well. Now, while the Cubs may have a slight edge when it comes to the offense, I think coming into this series, the Mets have to be happy with the pitching matchups, which are really in their favor. You Darvish will be going up against Marcus Stroman in the first game. Stroman has yet to really have a great start with the Mets. He was maybe on the cusp of one in his last start, having allowed, I believe, just one run in his first four innings pitch, but then had to get pulled due to some hamstring tightness. Seems like he's going to go 
on Tuesday, so we'll see if he can have a complete effort. But Yu Darvish is not having the best season. He's a 4-4-3 ERA. He really hasn't been good ever since coming over to the Cubs. The one thing that might give you some pause, though, is he actually became the first pitcher in MLB history to have five straight outings with at least eight strikeouts and no walks recently. So that tells you he is really commanding his pitches well. He's not going to be a real easy guy to go up against. Now on Wednesday, it will be Kyle Hendricks going against Noah Syndergaard. If you look at the ERAs from the season, you'll say, wow, Hendricks has a 3-2-0 ERA. Syndergaard has a 3-7-1 ERA. But when you dig a little bit deeper, the Mets have to really like this matchup, particularly because Syndergaard has just been lights out since the All-Star break, pitching to a 1-8-2 ERA with 55 strikeouts across, 54 and a third innings pitched. He's just been outstanding. And Kyle Hendricks has been great this year overall. But you again look closer into his numbers. 13 starts on the road. He has a 4.76 ERA. At home, he's like that Greg Maddox guy that almost won a Cy Young a couple years back. He has a 1.79 ERA. So if those numbers bear fruit, again, the Mets might have the edge there. Now on Thursday, it is Jacob DeGrom going. All of a sudden, the Cy Young could be up for grabs for him because you know what? He and Jin Ryu was clearly running away with it with his ERA that sat well below two, but then all of a sudden he just gave up seven runs the other day. The ERA ballooned all the way up to, I believe, 2.0. So now with DeGrom's ERA that sits at 2.56, his extended stretch of excellence, the strikeouts that are leading the National League, all of a sudden DeGrom might have a chance to go back-to-back with his Cy Youngs. And he's going up against John Lester on Thursday. Lester has been bad in August with an 8-5-1 ERA across five starts. The one thing that maybe concerns you, and it's a really weird thing for me to say as I'm trying to give you statistical evidence here, is just the fact that the Mets can't seem to win when DeGrom's on the mound. I don't get it. No one gets it. The guy just had an unbelievable historic performance where he struck out 14 and hit a home run and he lost. Well, he didn't lose. He got no decision, but the team lost. I look at these three pitching matchups and I think at home against a team who really struggles on the road, the Mets are a team who has been great at home this year. You have to think they have the edge in this series. And really, you think they have to win this series, especially, again, when you're about to face two division rivals on the road. You're only two games out of the wild card race right now. But you know what? You go out and you sweep the Cubs, and then you beat the Phillies over the weekend. I think the Mets would clearly have the second wild card spot. By the end of the week, if that's what they were to do. One other thing to mention, as the Nationals just swept the Cubs, they're now six games above the Mets in that first wild card spot. I talked about the importance of the Mets trying to get that first wild card spot because of the way they played at home. And honestly, with the way the Nationals are playing, that's looking less and less likely, especially because the Mets only play the Nationals one more time and it is on the road. So, you don't have a lot of opportunities to really you know, beat them and move those odds more into your favor. Anyway, that will be it for today's show. Remember, you can subscribe to Locked On Mets wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget, when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets.